Well, my name's Zach. I am the youth pastor, the student ministries pastor, the next-gen pastor, whatever you want to call me. I'm the guy that helps run our student ministries here at Linwood. I also help facilitate our department in young adults. And from time to time, I get this great privilege, this great opportunity to break into the Word of God, to share what I'm learning, to grow together, and be able to digest what God is moving in our hearts as a family of families. As you may have noticed, Pastor Mark, our lead pastor, is not here this week. He is enjoying a vacation. I hope his vacation is restful because I know this next upcoming series he's doing, Made to Thrive, is going to be an awesome series. In fact, I believe that today's message is a launch pad into his upcoming series, Made to Thrive. And just a little bit of a plug I want to put in, that if it, any of you guys miss any messages that we do here at Linwood, we do have a podcast. You can catch that online at linwoodchurch.org. You can find your podcast wherever, wherever your favorite venue of podcasting is. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for giving us a moment of your time just to break into the Word of God. I don't know about you, but can you relate to that video that we just showed? It seems like the weekend just goes like that. And then you're looking at yourself and you say, it's Monday? Are you kidding me? It just seems like we're in a go, go, go society. You can't tell me I'm wrong, right? That it just seems like now that there's a fast pace to our world. The pause button has been broken and we live our lives in fast forward. And every time we're trying to make it slower, we push the fast forward even faster. And we're going two times the speed, four times the speed, 16 times the speed. It's like when we get to our vacation, we need a vacation from our vacation. Amen? <laughs> I'm reminded of Garfield. He makes a statement a couple times throughout his comic book strips, his orange cat. He goes with the, I hate Mondays. You know that feeling? And we're back to the daily grind. Well, I, I need to confess something to you, congregation. The message today is something I've been working on myself for many, many years. And I am far from perfecting it. I am just a learner, just like you, just like us, just like our family. But I struggle to take a day off. And even when I'm away from the office or away from whatever my primary responsibilities are, it's hard to shut off the emails, the text messages, the alerts that pop up on my phone. It's hard to step away from that. And even when I'm not in my office, for some reason I think it's the best idea on my day off to come up with the greatest, newest youth ministry idea on my couch. I struggle to just step away. Are you on the same boat too? That when even it's your day off, you can't actually take a day off. Today we're talking about the premise of the Sabbath. We're talking about what does it mean to have our lives paused and enjoy rest. The Sabbath is meant for rest, for celebration, for worship, and remembrance of what God created on the seventh day. But what if we actually 
lived the Sabbath. Not just had the head knowledge of what the Sabbath is, but what if we actually took what we've learned from the Sabbath and what we're going to learn today and actually apply it as a spiritual discipline to our lives? What would happen if we just completely reorganized our lives to understand the premise of the Sabbath? It's kind of like this gift that God has given us. God has said, here, I have given you rest. Here is a gift. And we take that gift... We have no idea what to do with it, so we kind of do what we do with any other gifts we don't know what to do. We re-gift it, and we push it back out for more work, more production, more stuff in our lives. If we were going to be building a building today, this is our premise of our, our, our blueprint of today. We're going to be looking at the foundations of what the Sabbath is. What does the scripture speak of the Sabbath? And as we're adding the support beams and the walls to this, we're looking at how does the Old Testament and New Testament clarify how we should live the Sabbath? And finally, once we have our building built, we get to see the house of deeds. And this gift, when he's giving us this, this building and Jesus saying, here, this is yours. It's a gift I'm giving to you. Are we reading the fine prints of how to actually live the Sabbath? That's our blueprint today. But for right now, we're going to go ahead and turn our books, our Bibles, into Genesis chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and you grab a Bible right in front of you. There's a blue book Bible. It's really hard, difficult to page. It's page number 2. So as you're taking a moment to flip that page, even if you've got a Bible app, I want you to know, feel free, feel comfortable to use your Bible app. Turn to Genesis 2. I want to give you some background information that in Genesis 1, we find the creation story. That God spoke and the heavens and the earth was made. That within these 31 verses... We see everything that we know of existence today. And we believe here at Linwood Church that the scriptures are 100% truth. There is no inherency. There are no mistakes and accuracies that this is 100% truth. And there's something that takes place before Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2 that is of significance to our message today. So if you're with me, Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 1, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Maybe in front of you, you've got the NIV version. It's just different translation of different words. But follow along with me as we read. Let me read this to you. Here we go. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he has been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Verse 3. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, it rested from all the work of creation he has ever done. I really like that part in verse 3. And then. That's why I chose the NLT version. But I want you to point out at the very beginning that from the beginning of time itself, God established Something remarkable. Before Adam and Eve were ever in the picture, he established rest. Unlike any religion, any other gods, God established rest not for himself, 
but for us. There is no other creation story out there that is built around this fundamental premise that this is so true that it's the truth of it all is saying that God created rest for you and for me. And then after he had rested, that's why verse 3 speaks out to me. After he had rested, then he made it holy, recognized the beauty of a Sabbath. See, it comes from the word, the rest word comes from the word Savath, which for nerdy theologians like myself, it means a whole lot more, but I'm just going to simple it down real quick. The, the Savath is rest, to cease, to celebrate, to worship. It's not a Sabbath of nothing. That the Savath, that there's a celebration on the seventh day that we worked hard for six and on the seventh we get to be rested and to worship in his presence. I like this quote. It comes from this book I read called Subversive Sabbath. It says this, In a a restless world, Yahweh required rest. Again, imagine what kind of first impression that would have given to an ancient person's understanding of Yahweh. The God... The God of the scripture not only rests himself, but invites the world to rest with him. That the God of the universe displayed his ultimate act of love on the seventh day. And the importance of this streamlines across the rest of the scriptures. Then, in fact, this is mentioned 53 times throughout the scriptures. The, the word savath is mentioned 53 times and something that's repeated that much must require our attention. Does it not? And we just see very shortly afterwards that Moses is given the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. In Exodus 20, you don't need to turn there because I have, in fact, I have listed all ten commandments for you up here. These were just practical ways of holiness to help the Israelites move into a way to have a relationship with God. God spelled it out very clearly, and it's just very simple. You should have no other gods before me. You should not make idols. You should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And then number four, keep the Sabbath holy. If I'm going to look over the Ten Commandments, if these are the Christianity one-on-ones, these are fundamentals to what we practice and what we love and understand who God is. But if we look at just the Old Testament here and the Ten Commandments, and if it's in order of preference or not, if it is in order of preference and most important to not important, why is it listed as number four? And if it isn't in the most important to not important, it's just the ten most important things out there, it's still on the list. So, why do we struggle with this? Why, why have I struggled with this? I say this kind of jokingly. The key word is jokingly. <laughs> Let's prepare our hearts for this. That if we broke any of the nine commandments, there will be some serious consequences. But if we broke this one commandment, we might get a pay raise. Do 
So how do we make this, this, this idea of living a life and fulfilling the laws that God has given us? That when Moses was given this in Mount Sinai, it was to help the Israelites to be in a fruitful relationship with God. That is to my understanding. And even before Exodus 20, we see that they were still practicing the Sabbath. Even before they got the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 16, it says this. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. Twice as much food for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. And I get what you're saying. I get the train of thought that's happening right now. Is that we're looking at this and we're looking at the Sabbath. And some of you would say, well, great, that is Old Testament. But we live by the New Covenant. If you've not heard Pastor Mark speak, Pastor Mark speaks clearly that the Old Testament is very, very important to our Christian faith. It's not foundational to the New Testament. But we are not bound by the Old Covenant. We are bound by the New Covenant because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and tore that veil in two. And even Jesus himself clarified on living a Sabbath life. That in the New Testament, the ideas of living a Sabbath became less of rest and more of a checklist. I read this in a commentary. Let me read this to you. By Jesus' time, however, most people looked at the law the wrong way. They saw it as a means of prosperity in both this world and the next. And they thought that to obey every law was the way to earn God's protection from foreign invasions and natural disasters. That the Pharisees of the New Testament had forgotten why we practice the Sabbath And why it is good for us as humans to rest. And instead, they had forgotten why the whole thing was created in the first place. It was filled with legalism. That if we were going to translate the Sabbath, it was just a full list of checklists of what you can or cannot do. In Mark 2, verses 27 through 28, Jesus attacks this head on and says, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. And not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the son of the man is Lord. Even over the Sabbath. By the New Testament the Sabbath was viewed as just rules. Rather than a gift to be received. I'm sure you have been curious about this. Been curious about some remodeling we have made to the stage. I have placed on the stage... A brown couch that I stole from the South End. A rug I stole from Kids Way. A lamp I stole from somebody else's office that's not mine. And an office chair that came out of nowhere. But if we were going to translate what the, the Pharisees were living in the New Testament. And we translate it to today's context. There was this notion that if you were going to celebrate the Sabbath. You were required to lay on the couch. And not move a muscle. That the Sabbath was the Sabbath of nothing. Don't you dare turn on that power button. Because by pushing that power button requires muscle. 
And you can't do that. That even the Pharisees called out Jesus' disciples as they were walking in ministry. And they picked the grain off the fields. And they said, you have sinned. For you have disobeyed the Sabbath. And Jesus responds in Matthew 11. Come to me who are weary and have heavy loads. And I will give you rest. That Jesus amplified that Sabbath, this idea of rest. A Sabbath of rest rather than a Sabbath of nothing. The Pharisees of today would say, what about our regulations? What about our traditions? That, would you, that if, if, in order to live a perfect and holy life, you must be doing all these checklist things. And Jesus responded in Matthew 12. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. That Jesus reigns. And because of the death of the cross that he spilled for us, that the only way we are in relationship with God is through Jesus. And not only the Pharisees of today, but I kind of look at the culture of today in our fast-paced world. It's hard for us to shut off the world. We've got this technology right here, and it's so easy that I have fallen into this so many times. It's so easy to open up that computer and to say, why even try to rest? Just go to your home office. Just get some work done. Let's get some more money. Let's do what we need to do to be able to get get the stuff that we want. And Jesus responds in Luke 6, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? Are we allowing our Sabbath to be a day of rest? If you're taking notes, this is what I want to highlight today. Is our Sabbath life-giving or life-taking? Can you translate that for a moment? Can you process what that's saying? Is our Sabbath life-giving or life-taking? It's not defined, the Sabbath has never been defined as doing nothing. The Sabbath has always been defined as a day of rest and celebration and worship. The same question is asked today, not only in the Pharisees of today, but in our culture today. What constitutes as a Sabbath and what constitutes as work? That is, is our Sabbath full of rest and hope and wholeness? Or does it drain us, pour us out, stress us, us, and tear us down? We've got the building up. We know what the scriptures tell us about the Sabbath. That not only the Old Testament put the foundations of the Sabbath, but Jesus clarified what the Sabbath is. How do we apply the Sabbath to our lives today? Point number one. Are we actively preparing for the Sabbath? Not just expecting that the day off is coming, but are we actively preparing 
for the Sabbath. As the Lord has prepared for the Sabbath on the seventh day, it is our responsibility to prepare for the Sabbath as well. This must be a priority in our lives. I don't know about you guys, but I tend to stumble my way onto my off day, into my day off, to my rest day. It's like I've got a million things, a million different projects that are taking place. And then when I finally get to my day off, I'm like a fighter plane that comes crashing down. (laughs) And then I wonder why I'm so exhausted and I'm so like, what is happening with the world? And even when I just stumble my way into the Sabbath, I wake up in the morning and I'm looking for those life-giving Sabbath moments. And I open up my door And my lawn looks like we just became homeless. And it doesn't help that I look homeless. So there's concerns from the neighbors in the first place. And at times that mowing my lawn is not life-giving. For other people that on the Sabbath, mowing their lawn is life-giving. And if that's you, I have a great opportunity for you. Come see me right after service. And then I've got a stack of bills that are piling up, and we've got to pay the bills. That's just our responsibilities of living. That's not life-giving. And the phone, oh, how you have such a grip on us. Keeps yelling at me at different emails, notifications, and I'm one of those guys that if those, that red little icon with the number shows up on the app, it has to go away. I cannot allow those numbers to continue to go up because it drives me insane. That I cannot be able to step away and have a Sabbath. I kind of think of like a wedding. As a pastor here, I get the great opportunity from time to time to walk through young couples' lives to prepare their hearts for marriage, to move them to a place where they were both individuals to become one and they walk together. And in fact, just a little bit over a year ago, I got to perform a couple here at this church. And we got to walk through the fundamentals of, of marriage and how proud I am of this couple and how thankful I am that they have taken every oath and covenant of what it means to be married. That this was not just an instant decision that they decide, let's get married today. Nobody wakes up and says, 8 a.m., guess what? We're planning a wedding. No, 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 no. We're not just eloping here. We're planning a full-on traditional wedding at 6 o'clock tonight. And this crowd over here, you are in charge of all the invites. We're inviting 500 people, so get to step in. And then be these people over here, we're going to go ahead and you're going to get to all the catering. You're going to make sure the food is there. So get, get going on. In this crowd over here, you're going to be working on decorations. And trust me, my soon-to-be wife has been watching lots of Chip and Joanne Gaines, so you've got a high bar to set. And then finally, this group over here needs to make sure that all the, pa- the pastor sets ready to go, the church is uh, identified, and make sure that our reception is ready to go. It's going to be, we're going to have a DJ, all these type of things. Says no bride ever. That planning for a wedding takes months, if not years at times. 
And unfortunately, we can't stumble our way into a fruitful Sabbath. That in order to live a life of the Sabbath, we must actively prepare for the Sabbath. Just like they did in Exodus 16 on the sixth day, they gathered twice as many. They, got, they did twice as much work to get ready for the day of rest. Are we preparing for the day of rest? I need some grace here. Because sometimes it's not, well, I don't know how to do this, but sometimes the conflict is not of the world, but of ourselves. And that we do not allow ourselves to prepare for the Sabbath. I like this quote too. We often think the opposite of worshiping God is worshiping the devil. But that is not the problem. Often our problem is that we are worshiping ourselves. It ain't Jesus or the devil. It is Jesus or ourselves. Are we allowing ourselves to get out of the way to be able to prepare for a healthy and fruitful Sabbath? And once we have actually prepared for the Sabbath, the second thing that we need to look at in the Sabbath of today's contact was not only prepare, but are we experiencing the jubilation of the Sabbath beyond the day of rest? That because we actively prepared for the Sabbath, that the six days that are to follow is full of jubilation, a full of renewal, a full of strength, and an eagerness to get ready for the next Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a bonus the Sabbath is not a benefit package. It's a spiritual discipline in reprioritizing our lives. See, the Sabbath keeping is always the Sabbath giving. Let me make sure we caught that together because that rang in my heart. The Sabbath keeping is always Sabbath giving. I notice that when I don't take a Sabbath, I am way less productive the seven days of week than it was if I actually took a Sabbath. The Sabbath at times though, if we're not careful, is it inconvenient. The Sabbath is weird. The Sabbath is awkward. It creates problems and that is good. The Sabbath is the day to remind us to come back into the presence of God, to be able to worship him and to move forward. We, we cannot allow our work, our schedules, our busyness to dictate our time to worship God. If I could be bold. That some would consider that today would be their Sabbath day. And that is okay. I want to make sure we affirm that. That if today is your Sabbath day, welcome. But we cannot contain our Sabbath day within an hour time block between 10.30 and 11.30. That God can only provide me rest and we, I will only provide worship within this time block. And then once this time block's over, I've got the rest of my day. God, you had your time. And that is not a Sabbath. That is putting God in a box. And we have to be aware of that. Are we preparing and are we allowing ourselves to experience the jubilation of the Sabbath? So let's land this plane here. 
I know that there are a lot of people who are connecting right away. I can see in the faces eye to eye and you're saying, Zach, this is great. Totally understand it. We're on the same page. I just don't got time for it right now. Or we, we say the other thing, the screws are coming out. This is a crazy time. This is just, the Sabbath sounds great, and we will put that in our agenda, but it's just not going to work right now. If we're waiting for the Sabbath of convenience, that will never come. If you're waiting for the convenience of, oh, well, now, now is the time to do it. It wasn't a couple years ago, but now when all the kids graduate, when all the things take place, when I retire, that's when I'll have the Sabbath. As retirees will tell you, you don't stop. So this message is not only for the high school student who's got lots of homework piling up, for the college students who's preparing for the exams and preparing for their next school year, and for the parents who've got all these young kids that they've got to take care of and all the schedules they've got to run through, and for the grandparents who've got to chase after those grandkids, my challenge to you is to be human and rest. That before humanity was even created, it is human for us to rest. It is inhuman for us to not rest. When we say we don't have time to rest, we cannot find time for something that has already been found. May the Sabbath be a gift. May the Sabbath provide rest. And may the Sabbath give conviction over what reigns in our lives. We're going to continue this worship service. And we're going to continue to celebrate his name. And I'm going to call upon the band to come forward. And as they come forward, may this be a time of reflection for us. May this be a moment to say, am I living a life that is following these important commandments? I must say with grace here that that graceless Sabbath is legalism. That we will never perfect that as a body of Christ. That's why I love our church here. And I say love, and that's a big word for me. I love our church. Because when we say that we're a family of families, families make mistakes. And we grow, and we learn, and we care for each other. And that nobody in this room, including myself, will ever perfect a spiritual discipline. But when we learn from our mistakes, and when we try and make and and grow from them, that we can actually see everlasting love. We can be reminded that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. If we get caught up in the fundamentals of the Sabbath, how are we any better than Pharisees? So if you've never practiced the Sabbath, may this be a challenge for us. Let the Sabbath be, an ordin- be something, a step away from the ordinary and to move into the extraordinary. That Holy Spirit, guide us now as we reflect on your time, as we worship your name, and as we seek after you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. May the breath that we breathe, that every breath that have, the gift that you've given us, may it be yours. May we be reminded of the great sacrifice you made. And we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In your name, we all said.